Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Kitabi Karwan podcast. This podcast is conducted in association with Chagnot. Today we have with us Ms. Gitanjali Kolnat who's just written the book Girl Made of Gold which was released a few days back. This fascinating book is set in the 1920s and revolves around the concept of a devadasi that is a traditional dancer dedicated to a deity in South India particularly in Tamil Nadu. what she does is use fiction to write about some real life experiences and anecdotes and has woven a beautiful mystery masterpiece without any further delay let's dive into this interview uh hello everyone before we begin this uh, interview i would like to apologize to ms hidanshi and my listeners because uh my pronunciation about a lot of words might be slightly off but uh i hope that doesn't interrupt or i know through in anyone's experience of listening to this podcast uh welcome gitanjali welcome to the kitabi karwan podcast thank you so uh, much for having me hey right. uh so gitanjali this is something i do with every uh interviewee i have uh wherein i i would like you to describe yourself but not in the way the blurb of your book or the internet would i want to know <laughs> about you like i want, it, it has to go beyond you know like that's something i that's really curious for me mm-hmm. and my listeners we want to know who you are right so mm-hmm. well it, it, the blurb on the book says about my being a dancer and i feel like being a dancer is completely so interwoven into my character into my being that uh to talk about myself without without talking about being a dancer the experience of being a dancer is almost impossible so that's that's the blurb and the and the person are are both interwoven that way for sure um and and i think it has to do with the quality of being a dancer you know you have to change your musculature you have to right. learn a particular way of moving and all that kind of thing so i think it's really mm-hmm. tied into my being otherwise i really love cooking i really love gardening i really love reading and uh those are the things that are very important to me other than a dance and of course kalari payet i i i kind of hold the two together in my in my being kalari payet the martial art form and bharatanatyam the dance form right so uh so gitanjali you mentioned uh so as as you're a bharatanatyam practitioner and you mentioned how dance is this integral part of your being um how did your journey with dance start like where did you start as a kid did you discover this in late in your life how how was this how were you introduced to this world of bharatanatyam it it's really incredible because i i had never really seen it before maybe i'd seen it as a kid i don't i certainly don't remember but when i was 16 i went to uh india and that's kind of all detailed in the short stories in my first uh collection sleeping with movie stars about going to india as a 16 year old who had been brought up in canada didn't really understand india that well and uh uh was taken by my parents and I went to Kalakshetra more as a way to get away from my grandparents than to because I 
I knew what Bharatanatyam was, but it was, it just seemed like, ah, they'll, they'll let me go there because there's a hostel. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and and then when I went there, I just simply fell in love with it. It was a, I I described the experience like that because it doesn't seem to be very much tied to the qualities of the dance itself. It's like that feeling of falling in love where you don't know why you're in love with the person. And it's the same with the dance. I can't really tell you why, but I saw it there at Kalakshetra and I simply just fell in love with them. And it has many qualities, beauty beauty of lines, this rhythmic component, uh, uh, a kind of um, uh, clarity of uh, form and structure that I really enjoyed, all those things. But I, if you... You know, why Bharatanatyam and not Odissi, or why Bharatanatyam and not Kathak? I don't, I honestly, it, it really was just like a feeling of just falling in love with it. And then after that, I just stayed on. It, right. There was no longer um, a need to escape from anybody or do anything. I just wanted to be there right. and uh, study. Well, it's it's actually really fascinating when you mention that because um so I have a younger sister who's uh, learned Bharatanatyam. She had her Arangetram at the end of uh, the end of December twenty eighteen, and uh, I remember my first brush with Bharatanatyam's depth. I mean, I always knew that you know it's a dance form, but uh, I remember I think once she had an uh, exam for one of the stages, I guess, and she asked me to help her with her you know revise or something and she gave me a book and I was really like uh, or, like in uh, no offense but I was taken aback because in my head this was back when I was about 14 or 15 and I was not a huge fan of uh, dancing in general so I had no idea about the technicalities of it so I was taken aback when I saw okay there's a book involved with a dance form as well <laughs> right? right I was uh, like to the extent that and uh, and I opened it up and it uh, detailed uh, all these uh, hand gestures which made had mm. different meanings mm. and she just uh, it asked me to you know like see test her if you know she remembers them correctly oh, and okay. I remember being okay. I remember being absolutely fascinated when I found that out because till that point of time I did not associate uh, any meaning to these gestures right like for me as an audience member it was just okay you know the dance is doing something which probably fits the beats or the music but uh, it's just that's when I realized and that's when I first uh, kind of had this weird brush with dancing and I realized that oh, okay so there is a lot more depth to what the performers are doing and they're trying to narrate something and there's this entire story to what the dance is actually happening on stage so uh, that brings me to my next question which uh, so this is something I realized in India wherein in my personal interaction with a few people, there's uh, woefully a lo- lack of knowledge about ancient dances, right? Or Indian dances in general. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm no one, I'm, I'd be hypocritical to say that I'm not one of those people, right? I have some mm-hmm. bare knowledge that too, just because my sister's a dancer. But something that I noticed was even in the dancing community, uh, Bharatanatyam seen more like or dance forms are often seen as technical performances rather than cultural relics, right? As they are today, right? How they capture almost centuries of culture 
and you know evolve evolution into this beautiful dance form so do you think that's a do you think that is actually an issue of uh, dance forms are facing today to the extent that uh, people have no longer are no longer associating them with the cultural depth that they require or the purity that they need, they were evolved with and they are being seen as technical dance forms that someone just learns and is just done with you know a, a dance form only exists as a living tradition so mm. it it can't exist if people aren't making it uh what they want it to be so mm. what it was uh 100 years ago what it was 50 years ago like i just in my lifetime over my lifetime of being involved in dance which is almost exactly 50 years since i started um uh learning about it at kalakshetra it's changed immensely it's right. it's undergone all kinds of um refinements or uh, uh technical like lighting sound very very technical right. aspects of it have changed entirely and uh the music has changed the dress the costume has changed the the attitude of dancers to their form has also changed it has to if it was satisfying for me 50 years ago uh and uh kids who do it now within this context they've grown up in an entirely different environment they have a different visual understanding because they're constantly uh involved with uh screens you know so they think differently about movement they think very differently about what uh what it would involve them and so i don't i have no uh interest in trying to say this this it was great 50 years ago and it's not great now it's changing and it's evolving to meet the needs of young people today i i want to say women because it's mostly young women girls and young women but uh boys can do bharatanatyam too and young men can do bharatanatyam too and whatever it, whatever it is it has to be inviting and enough that you spe- i mean you know your sister how hard she works yeah. and uh if you if she is to work that hard it has to give her something back and as as soon as it stops doing that people will stop doing it they'll they'll move on to break dancing or or <laughs> something else and uh so i i want to see bharatanatyam continuously alive and to be alive means it's not a museum it's not like this is the way my teacher taught me this is exactly the way i'm going to do it that's that's a that's how you take something dead and put it in the museum and bharatanatyam is not like that and i i would never want it to be that uh it, it's fascinating that you brought up this uh, anecdote about like how people would move on if they don't really like the dance form right and mm-hmm. it's it's um i know it's it's i think it's a thought worth considering for a lot of people how we live today in this gen in this world of instant gratification where every form of uh, 
entertainment or pleasure that we derive has to be you know minimized into these smaller packets rather than these mm, elaborate performances mm, mm, which people yeah. right yeah and it just it just surface and that's it's fascinating when you even apply this to dance right like i mean it applies to every other field but dance as well right? 50 years ago i'm telling you there was not a single bharatanatyam performance that was less than 3 hours wow. 50 years ago that was the norm right. go to see a performance 3 hours varnam itself used to be about an hour 45 minutes to an right. hour was considered normal for the varnam so right. you know who's going to do that now who's going to to yeah no and exactly sit? and and it's um right great that you brought it up because uh, my sister's arangetram that's one of my only experiences experiencing bharatanatyam which is supposed to be this huge event in her life right lasted 3 mm-hmm. hours and people thought it was mm-hmm. long right mm. and just contrast this with what you just said like in yeah. general bharatanatyam performance is 3 hours long so an yeah. arangatra might have been slightly longer or this yeah. it just gives us context to these things but uh gitanji is just taking you on another par- uh, pan- tangent uh so coming to your book uh, girl made of coal what was your uh, i know how did this idea germinate where did the seed come from how did this book emerge You know, somebody told me a story at a dinner, and that mm. uh, at a and, and the the I I I have been ever since I was in my thirties, anyway. Maybe not not in my twenties, but I can't remember exactly. But between my twenties and my thirties, I I really started to want to know how Bharatanatyam came to exist in the form that it. that i was learning it and why and um uh when when i was doing all this research into the form and trying to connect the research to my own experience of mm-hmm. bharatanatyam and the the way that i saw uh my my friends who were mainly dancers how they responded to it and the dances that i responded to uh, when i was doing that research i realized that an academic understanding of how the dance form came to be doesn't really convey the experience so i had thought about doing my phd and doing this research towards an academic kind of degree and i'd actually even started uh yeah. that process i was going to work with a professor in the uk philip zarelli and and um he was you know he was directing me towards readings and um uh we're thinking about patronage how does patronage influence the right. way a form uh, exists and um so when i started doing that research i realized that there's no way that i can can i can put in the stories of individual people and dancers that i knew and my own experience okay. into an academic book and it seemed right. strangely that that a novel was was a way to contain more truth than a a non-fiction book in a way like i i'm i'm not i have nothing against 
I love nonfiction, very well written nonfiction. It's very yeah. interesting and exciting to me. I love um, to deal with history and I, I, I have no, it's not that I say one is, but there were certain truths about um, the way, the history of Bharatanatyam that simply did not fit within the, the nonfiction format. Right. And right. so that's when I decided to write a novel. Right. Like, right. and, and I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. And um, I don't know if, if people have, uh, have um, said that each book, like I, 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 went, I attended a lecture by Michael Ondaatje at one point in Canada. And uh, he said that each time he starts a book, he doesn't know what he's doing. Even though he's written these incredible books, great books, right. and um, um, each time he's faced with the same problems. So I was faced with the problem extra because I'd never written a novel before, and it just seemed like almost an impossible task. I didn't even know how to to start, but I knew that I wanted to have the, these kinds of stories that have been told to me in it. Yeah interestingly brings me to the next part of my interview and that's just it's actually a two-part question the first one is actually slightly i don't know i don't know if controversial is the right term but there's a lot of debate and like a divide on this as to the devadasi system right like how yeah. some people see it as a relic of a culture of mm-hmm. uh, of a golden system being devalued and spoiled over the years into something deboshed some see it as a absolute embodiment of a patriarchal society that existed and you know see it as a blot on our history like there are multiple perspectives yeah. uh, i personally am woefully unaware of the system's depths i i know mm-hmm. as much as any other person who's read indian history does which is about a paragraph on it right <laughs> and right, that's that's unfortunately mm-hmm. that's the truth of how indian education system works that there are a lot of indian historical cultural things which we ought to know more about are just not there so uh, firstly i just want you to i know give me your opinion on this and for if our for our listeners probably just if you could give a very quick summary or before you give your opinion on it and uh, actually i'll ask you the second part of my question after you have spoken about this because okay. it ties into your opinion as well so okay so so there has uh, it has kind of fallen into two camps as to uh, the uh, situation. So what the Devadasi system was uh, a hereditary artist. Uh, you, if you wanted to be an artist, you had to be born into that community. So if you were a musician, you played uh, the instrument that your father or your grandfather taught you, or uh, your grandmother many for for girls because the devadasi system was very it, it really didn't devalued the men within the community quite a bit and val- highly valued women uh, girls and so that was kind of opposite to what was going on in general society and in that right. sense uh, women within the uh, devadasi community were very literate they were very uh, powerful because they had access to money and they could do what they wanted. There was no man telling them 
you have to do this, you have to do that, except their patron. And their patron did have control over them. The king could say, oh, here, I'm sending all of you Devadasis over to Baroda. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like you had absolute control over your life. At the same time, an Indian married woman didn't necessarily have a great deal of control over her life either. So you have to kind of keep these things in, 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 um, in your mind as you consider, is this a good system, is it a bad system? Should we keep it, should we not keep it? What's certainly true is that if you get rid of uh, child marriage, and you give women autonomy, you can't force them to be Devadasis. You know, right. if you think of a woman as being autonomous, and if you think that you can't do something to a small child on her behalf that's irreversible, then obviously you can't dedicate a young girl to a temple and say, here, right. now this is what you have to do. And as soon as Indian uh, jurisprudence, I mean, you're a lawyer, you know that, as soon as, as soon as things like child marriage started to be outlawed, also you had to outlaw dedication of young girls to the temple. Now, uh, the, to me, the, the real issue is this, what I was telling you about your sister learning dance and me learning dance. Now, when um, the Devadasi system was in place. A woman dancing on st stage signaled her sexual availability. Now, I don't want to do a dance that sig signals my okay. sexual availability. You know, I'm, I, I don't want to do that. And uh, certainly my parents would have been very, you know, very reluctant to allow me to dance if that's what okay. it meant. And I have to tell you that I have been approached for sexual favors up until the 1980s, or was it even the 90s? And I have witnesses that will, you know, right in front of another person, a man came up from the audience and asked how much he would have to pay to have sex with me. So this is not a, a ancient history, it's, it's a history that had to be slowly uh, decoupled from the dance, and it wasn't decoupled overnight. And uh, so I think it was a very necessary thing for the autonomy of women that the Devadasi system had to be eradicated. I don't uh, think that uh, uh, women should be, or young girls should be forced to learn dance if they don't want to. I don't think that young girls should be forced into relationships with men if they don't want to be in relationships with men. And these were aspects of the Devadasi system. And therefore, 100% it had to be uh, eradicated, in my humble opinion. So the abolition of the Devadasi system was most important. Now, its ties to dance were, are, are very deep and they're part of it. Like a, a Devadasi who danced in the temple had been learning this dance. It was part of her life. It was, um, uh, she was uh, uh, 
in a relationship with the deity of the temple. I can't even imagine how that would be to lose that, that relationship with, with, your, with your own heritage. For some women who really loved that um, dance form, but for a woman who didn't love the dance form to be forced to do it, it seems like a, it's not, it's not a, 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 so making that a choice for women was also part of what allowed the dance to sustain itself. Because um, uh, then uh, David, the, the, the granddaughters of one of the famous Devadasis, they became, um, a, one became a, a librarian, one became a social scientist. So it, they didn't want to be dancers. Why should you okay. force them to be dancers just because they were born into that uh, okay. community? So that's my feeling. Now, the idea that uh, the dance was somehow taken away from the Devadasis and handed over to the Brahmins is a very, it's a, it's a, such a misunderstanding of how dance works. You know, you can't take a dance out of somebody. You can't, you can't go and grab it and pull it out of them and then take it on yourself and, you know, just wear it like a, a cloak or a sari. You have to devote years and years and years of your life to learning that form with everybody saying, oh, this is useless. This is why would you, why would you do such a thing? Like why? And, and everybody around you saying, uh, what a waste of time. And so I really admire those women who at great personal cost were not Devadasis, but loved the dance in the same way that I experienced myself and went against my own parents who didn't think this, this was such a great idea and uh, instead devoted their, their muscles, their bones, their, their um, uh, very being to learning uh, dance. So I, you know, I, I can't, I would never uh, say that this is um, appropriation or somehow the Devadasis were robbed by my learning dance or my, especially my, my, um, uh, the woman who at the school where I learned dance with Minnie Davy, she's often um, characterized as somebody who somehow took the dance away from the people who owned it, somehow owned it. And again, you know, I don't think you can own art and uh, uh, art forms. You know, you can buy a painting, but you can't buy a Varnam. And you can't you know, if you if I teach you a varnam, you haven't taken it away from me. I still have it, okay. and uh, even if you pay me to teach you a varnam, you've nothing has gone out of me. And okay. uh, so I love the whole idea that people are all kinds of people are learning it and loving it to okay. the extent that I did. Now does that answer your question? It actually does. Like it. Uh... On it actually does a it was very enlightening like uh, mm. and uh, it does cover a lot of what uh intended to talk about but it actually also kind of nudged me towards my next question right about uh so you mentioned that you were approached for sexual favors and uh 
this uh, so the devadasi system as you spoke about is uh, also by the end of it again like it's not something you covered in your answer but from whatever i've gauged of it also had uh, an exploitative element to it right so my question actually was that uh, because your book has uh, one of the main characters who is uh, devadasi and it is a key chunk of uh, your book this entire system of how priests and devadasis interact how their patron interacts with them is i'm sorry uh, his expectations from them etc how they are devalued how they insulted etc right so i'm sure writing about this was not uh, an easy task so uh, i just wanted to know about your experience in writing about such a sensitive issue right to the extent that uh, a lot of people are not very comfortable writing or talking about things that they have a personal i know has personally affected them or they feel is very sensitive to uh, for them mentally or emotionally right so was mm-hmm. this so how difficult was it to write a book which has such a sensitive topic at its core well i i wanted to present a very non-judgmental picture of the devadasi system because as i said within the context in which it it uh came up there were many aspects of it that empowered women mm-hmm. so i didn't want to you know condemn it i didn't want to condemn the people who who wanted to abolish it i didn't want to, i what i wanted to try to do is see how social norms and social conventions impacted an actual human being and right. therefore i tried to visualize this character and and one of the other things i did i mean because devadasis no longer really they're not even supposed to exist in india but they are still there not because the term has just been, become almost meaningless with the way it's applied here there and everywhere but in karnataka there are women who face some of the same traumas that um um devadasis in tamil nadu faced they don't have a dance system but they are associated with temples and they are uh associated with sex work so i think of the devadasi system as a kind of uh so, uh religiously sanctioned sex workers that's mm-hmm. what um that's how i think of the devadasi i mean if you want a totally non-judgmental terminology that's one way to think of it who had an artistic and ritual connection to the temple and they also had a uh, patronage obligations and when i went and spoke to these women and i i spoke to the women who are devadasis in north northern karnataka and i found that there was a great range of experiences like uh one girl uh one woman that i met had been with the same man for 30 years he she was with him through his marriage she helped to arrange the marriage of his uh kids and she was she wasn't there was nothing like a prostitute about her whatsoever she hadn't lived that kind of life 
But uh, at the other spectrum were young girls who had been dedicated because their parents were poor okay. and didn't come, with, you know, didn't meet a man who wanted to be with them for the rest of his life. And when they um, tried to, with the help of NGOs and whatever, they helped, they tried to get, um, uh, for example, uh, they were trained in hotel management. And so they could get a job as a receptionist at a hotel. And then somehow or the other, the patrons or the people in the village or people in the town, because it, it's like, even if you moved, you moved from your village to some other place in North Karnataka, and you started working as a receptionist at a hotel, if anybody came to know that you came from that Devadasi background, they would automatically force you back into sex work. And uh, so the, it, was, it, it is an incredibly exploitative system. If you believe in women's autonomy, you know, if you don't believe in women's autonomy and then lots of the Hindu religion doesn't believe in, Hindu, in women's autonomy. A lot of uh, uh, Hindu religion says, you know, you have to do what your caste role is. You have right. to do what your husband tells you. You have to do what your father tells you. You have to do what the priest tells you. And um, so these women were very much trapped. And I, and the other thing is they were so incredibly open and generous with their experiences with me. When they talked to me about their own experiences, it was with such generosity of spirit. And okay. so then it made it much easier for me to write about it. You know, I don't think I, I could have done it if I, I didn't have their example their example of how, you know, they were joking and uh, telling me stories and uh, it, it was an amazing experience. And uh, I tried to, you know, to bring those uh, actual women's experiences with a system that shared those, those characteristics with the Devadasi system in Tamil Nadu, bring them into my uh, writing in a, is a non-judgmental way as I could, the same way they were, like they weren't saying, oh, my parents were terrible, they did this to me. They're saying, my parents were poor. And uh, um, this is, you know, this is what I had to do in order to help support my family. And uh, they, it, it, it was a, uh, an eye-opening experience, and it really informs the way I think about the whole system. Gitanjali, that brings us to the end of our interview. I just have one last question before I wrap this up. So now uh, yeah. that the Gold Made of Gold is coming out soon, uh, what's next on the anvil? Is there another book? or there Well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll see that uh, I've, I've conceived of Girl Made of Gold as one of uh, three interlinked novels that tell kind of the history of South Indian um, okay. uh, art forms. That, and so one thing that happened is Devadasi's, many of them, quite a few of them, went from being uh, dancers to being 
acting in films, like the right. first, the way the way art forms kind of evolved. There was no there was no such thing as filmmaking, right? right. Filmmaking had to be invented, and the first way they invented it was by just taking their traditional theater forms and kind of putting them in front of the camera. And so, if you want to see Devadasi today, the way you do it is by looking at films of that period. And uh, Devadasi's moved into the film industry, and the men who were much devalued within the Devadasi community when it was uh, dependent on uh, the, pa the patronage of high caste men, then they went into um, the musical aspects of it and uh, into the script writing. Right. And uh, people from the um, that community of artists, that artist community, uh, they did go into um, film in a pretty mm -hmm. big way. And so it's a very natural transition. And so my next murder mystery is supposed to be set in the, in the, in the film, the early cinema of um, South India, not mm -hmm. Bollywood cinema, which there are many similarities, right now, right. of course, yeah. but it's um, a different. It, it's, it's, quite different and it has a, a different history and even now and, and the way South Indian movies and politics is interlinked right. is really, really fascinating to me. So that's my next well, that, That's and That's yeah. something that's really something I really look forward to. Well, uh, thank yeah. you Gitanjali for doing this. This was great. I'm sure all my listeners would have loved this. Uh, we really look forward to uh, your next work and yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you so much for for uh, engaging uh, in this way. It was it was really fun for me too. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you really like this interview, you can check out our post about the book and actually buy the book through the links mentioned in the description box below.